Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves. It's what our moms tell people when the smart toaster requires a software update before it'll toast their bagel. I'm your host, Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way. Now, our first subject tonight, which we just received about two minutes ago in the sunset pre-show before the podcast starts here on the live stream, was about the iMac Pro. So this week, it was a bit of a sad week, I have to admit. The iMac Pro has been with us since, well, it was introduced in June, but it came out in December of 2017. That's a pretty good run without really any upgrades or any updates uh, actually, no, that's a lie. There was a tiny little refresh where they added like uh, the the Vega 64 uh, X suffix. They added that like slightly slightly higher clocks, higher bin uh, GPU in like 2018 or 2019. But now it's gone. It's dead. The iMac Pro is no longer with us. It's really tragic. Um, and so basically someone was asking what... Do we think about the iMac Pro being discontinued and is Apple ever going to make an M1 iMac Pro? Now, obviously, when whenever people refer to M1, I'm assuming they're referring to Apple Silicon more broadly because M1 is just one of the processors. But to answer the question, I do not think the iMac Pro is necessary in a world of Apple Silicon. Just straight up. I mean, the whole, the whole reason for the iMac Pro was as a stopgap because in 2016, 2017, Apple was probably having a lot of internal meetings about the trash can Mac Pro. And they were like, uh oh, oh no, we really, we really screwed the pooch on this one, guys. We gotta we gotta come up with something really fast. And so I would guess that probably 2015 or 16 is when they started really working on the overhaul, the the Mac Pro that we got in 2019. You know, they, they were working on that for a while. So it seems it seems like they just kind of let the trash can stew for like six years. But I, I would be willing to bet that almost immediately after the trash can came out, within two years, they were like, "Uh oh, that ain't that ain't it, chief. We got to go back to the drawing board here. And by back to the drawing board, I mean the, the old drawing board that they used in 2006 with the original Mac Pro, mm -hmm. because that's I mean, that was basically the foundation for it. Um, but the iMac Pro was a stopgap. It was because the Mac Pro, by 2016 and 2017, the Mac Pro was getting old. You're talking Haswell, Broadwell chips. I don't remember what generation they were, the, the Xeon V2 generation that's in that computer. And so the iMac Pro is a really was a really smart idea because it was basically like, okay, well, let's take some new Xeons Take a chassis that we already have, paint it a different color, put in some some better internals, and that is going to tide people over for a couple of years. And honestly, it served that purpose really well. It was pretty decently priced. I was I was still recommending the iMac Pro when the 2019 Mac Pro came out because for that amount of money, that five thousand dollars starting price, you got a pretty decent computer. With the display, with the mouse and keyboard, and that nice enclosure was like a really great package. So, in that sense, I think it is it is kind of a bummer to see the iMac Pro leave us. But Apple Silicon doesn't need that intermediate product because I, I suspect, and you know, this might come back to haunt me. So, if anyone's you know are sort of archiving this podcast. This might either be a really great clip that I want to have out there, or it might be deeply embarrassing, but I think the M1X is going to really get up there with the base iMac Pro, the 8 and the 10 core iMac Pro. I think the M1X is going to get up there. That's a tall order, but I, I, think, I think, and not just in terms of CPU, I mean in terms of graphics even, um, so I think the iMac Pro, well, it's sad to see it go. It's probably not necessary. What do you think, Noah? I have to say, first of all, you're saying about if someone was archiving uh, the podcast. I think we 
are the ones that are doing that. Well, I just meant in terms of like if someone's saving specific clips for blackmail purposes in case we incriminate ourselves by making silly, erroneous predictions. Fair enough. But as far as the iMac Pro, I mean, I don't I don't have much to say uh, on the topic myself because I never uh, I never had one. Obviously, Luke, you know, Luke, Luke uses one uh, for his, uh, you know, his main editing computer. I will say, though, I was kind of surprised. I was kind of expecting uh, to see an Apple Silicon iMac Pro or something with that name on it. I guess the fact that they're discontinuing it now means that that's not going to happen. Uh, I almost wonder, so for the, for the, um, the, uh, so the iMacs right now are what, 21.5 and, and 27 inch. And I think the rumor yeah. was it's going to be 24 inches and still 27 for the bigger one. Is that right? We're not so sure right now. Um, there's sort of two ways it could go. You either get like the, the the first option is basically you do what the iPad Pro did. So the smaller iMac retains its form factor but gets a larger screen, 24 mm-hmm. inches. The larger iMac keeps its screen and shrinks the form factor. However, I, I I don't know. It makes sense for sure, but I don't know that that's necessarily something that needs to happen because you know you're not moving it. it I don't care what the form factor is. You know, it, if it's a smaller enclosure, it doesn't make a huge difference. Personally, I'm I'm a big fan of like the 30-inch iMac or 32-inch iMac. I think that would be preferable to just shrinking the bezels and keeping the screen the same. Right, because what I was going to say is, um, so if we have, you know, we have the two sizes, let's say it's 24 and 27. I don't know. Let's just say yeah. that those, those are the, what the sizes are. I could almost imagine like, a, like an iMac Pro with like a Pro Display XDR as the display and the M1X or whatever, if they're going to have two, you know, if they're going to have the M1 and the M1X or whatever, you know, the, the higher power one, maybe they'll do like the M1X in the 27 inch and the M1 in the 24 inch or, or some sort of a split like that. But I was kind of expecting an iMac Pro with uh, with a with a powerful Apple Silicon and, you know, maybe a Pro Display XDR nice display. I don't know. I mean, that would be so I think I think the other thing is we have to keep in mind that mini LED might make the XDR kind of unnecessary. Like I think I think we'll be able to get plenty of quality without the expense. I mean just imagine the the XDR display is so expensive. If you try to slap an iMac on that as well, it's going to be astronomical. Um and also I think you've uh, you've unintentionally set the bar a little bit too low for um the performance of the new iMac. I think M1X is is going to be in the base iMac. It go, I think there's going to be a, another even higher tier for the 27 or the 30-inch iMac. And that's why the, the, the iMac Pro is not going to be necessary because I think by the time we get a 27 or a 30-inch iMac, those chips are going to be so crazy, you know, M1T or something. I don't know what the suffix is after X. Um, I don't think they would do Z because that was already used. I, who knows? This is pretty far in the future. might not even be this year, but... Man, I, I, I really don't think, you know, if, if all it is is the name, I don't think there's a much purpose for um, for the iMac Pro. And speaking of iMacs, this actually leads into one of our pre-planned topics. Um, and this was something that I was tweeting about the other day. It was just like a random shower thought that I had about a USB-C iMac. Now, I'll, I'll give you my initial thought just for the purposes of, of getting it out there for uh for the discourse but i i should also note that i've you know i kind of thought this over i read what people were were responding and kind of workshopping on it and i think i have improved upon that idea a little bit um but basically here was here was sort of the nugget that started this whole USB-C iMac right now iMacs use a ton of power so in the in the 27-inch iMac, there's like a 400-watt, or actually it might be like a 305-watt power supply. The the 21.5-inch iMac has a pretty big power supply. But with Apple Silicon, that's not really necessary, especially with the smaller iMac. Because realistically, it's going to have most likely an M1X, which is also going to be in a 14-inch MacBook Pro. And that got me thinking, well, hey, wait a minute. If we're basically talking about an iMac that has the thermal consumption of a laptop why not 
just have it like a laptop powered by USB-C. Thoughts? That was my initial sort of nugget of an idea. It's an interesting question. I'm not I'm I'm just trying to think of where the the real use comes in. So I could see Apple I guess if they switch to USB-C, they're already making plenty of USB-C cables and power adapters. Uh, the iMac power thing is, I guess, kind of its own. Uh, it's not shared with anything, right? What do you mean? The the power supply? Or the power... Oh, the power adapter? That, yeah. Or, that, like, that it plugs in with? Yeah. Yeah, that's just the standard power cord. I mean, everything uses that. Uh, my, my RAID hard drive setup uses that oh, um it has tvs playstations it yeah, has, it has a little thing that's fitted it. to it but it's a standard power cord yeah fair enough okay i could see i could see apple you know they produce a lot of USB-C stuff already and they you know if they streamline it a little bit like that but i think kind of the the nice thing theoretically about USB-C is if i have it plugged into my laptop and i unplug it i can plug in my ipad or in mm -hmm. you know some ideal world, I could plug in my iPhone. Obviously, that's not this world, but it's some ideal yeah, world rip. where I could do that. Uh, A fantasy land. As far as like an iMac, where you're just you know you plug it in and you're kind of you know you, you you plug it in and you're not really you if you kind of forget about it, you're not really moving it too much. Whatever. I'm not sure how useful. Like what like what do you have in mind for like the 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 utility? Yeah. See, that was a very good point. Um, that see my my initial idea was basically just like okay well if the power consumption is low like realistically if you can deliver 96 watts over USB C and that's running a 16 inch MacBook Pro and peripherals and all sorts of stuff Apple Silicon the M1X is going to be like 35 45 watts you could definitely fit that in the in the the power limit of USB C but I will admit you're definitely right about the impracticality or really the unnecessary the unnecessariness, unnecessity, yeah, we'll go with that, of USB-C on an iMac because you don't need to unplug it. Right. So then I sort of I sort of pivoted because the whole reason I thought of that was like, you know, we're hearing that Apple's going to ma be making a lower-priced monitor for like normies, you know, people that don't want to spend five grand on a monitor. I don't have a Pro Display XDR. You know, everyone's coming at me for being having all sorts of Macs. I don't have a Mac Pro. I don't have a Pro Display XDR. That's a waste of money. I'm not going to spend that much. Well, maybe not a waste, but it's a lot of money. Yeah. And um, basically, my thought was the the reason that I got to USB C iMac was like, oh, if you had a, a standalone monitor, maybe you could power the iMac from the monitor. But then I thought, wait, why would you do that? Just do it the other way around. Like, just have the iMac power the monitor. So, so my revised idea is your iMac plugs in like it normally would with a normal power cable or what have you. But the Thunderbolt ports that it has can supply enough power similar to the way an XDR or an ultrafine display does where you can plug in your MacBook and it'll do display and charge the MacBook so it has power delivery over those Thunderbolt ports. Why not have that? Because then you could, I mean, I guess you could charge your laptop if you wanted to, which would be a nice perk. But then more interestingly, you could plug in this Apple monitor and you wouldn't need to have another power cord for that. So you could basically have a one a one cord monitor. And then I was like, oh, now that's it. That's I've, I've struck gold with that one. Tell me that doesn't sound like a really good idea. Wouldn't apply to everyone, but tell me that doesn't sound like a good idea. Am I understanding that you would have your iMac and you want to plug a second display into your iMac? Yes, an Apple external monitor, but you could power it through the Thunderbolt port so you wouldn't have to have a separate power cord for the monitor. That would be interesting. I'm not sure how many people buy an iMac because they... I, don't, I think people... I, I'd imagine that a lot of people that buy an iMac buy it because they want the all-in-one and, uh, and, yeah. and maybe they buy it because they don't want to have to buy another monitor. For some people, it would apply, but then at the same time, if it's sitting on your desk uh, and you run a second power cable, is it going to make much of a difference at that point? I don't know. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, I mean, I was thinking of this more like in a... It would make sense more for the monitor, 
but like maybe maybe this would also be something that you know the Mac Mini Pro that we've been hearing about. Mm-hmm. That would be a really good application for that. Right. If you could have a monitor that just plugs in via Thunderbolt and the Mac Mini supplies the power, and then you don't you j- you know you plug in the Mac Mini, you plug the Mac Mini into the monitor, and that's it. That would be pretty pretty awesome. Um, and I think it would I think it would make sense in an iMac just because I know that there are definitely people who do dual monitor setups, especially if you can get you know if, if you're thinking about like a an Apple Cinema display where the aesthetic is super matchy matchy, which mm-hmm. we all know is Apple's mo. Um, now I hate to interrupt this topic, but I, uh, I I have to ask you, Noah. Do you have transition lenses by any chance? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> See, someone someone said uh, asked if if you do have Whoa. transition lenses, and they've said every guy they know with transition lenses is a psychopath. So is that true, Noah? Are you a psychopath? I have not been diagnosed. I will say that, but very diplomatic. I, I just want to. I just. I just. Transition lenses are very nice, and if you don't know what they are, basically, uh, when I go out in the sun, my glasses turn into sunglasses. It's kind of like magic, right? You know, Luke. Luke here. If he wants oh. protection against the sun, he has to bring a separate pair of sunglasses. He's got to put them on. He's got to take them off. He's got to lose them. He's got to find them. It's a whole thing, right? I got these things on. All the time, unless I'm sleeping, of course. And if I go out in the sun, boom, you know, a couple minutes, and uh, and I got I got a pair of sunglasses. So I don't know why, I don't I don't know if there's a correlation between transition lenses and and uh, and being a psychopath, but I just think they're useful. Well, I mean, I'm not one to get get in the way of a man and his glasses. Uh, they've, uh, you know. Me over here with my perfectly shaped corneas. No need for glasses of any sort. You know, I don't mean to judge, but uh, I, I psychopathy aside, um, there, there you go. Noah has now defended his use of transition lenses, and I would in also very like, insistent terms, uncharacteristically like add, insistent. Yeah. I, well, I just I, it's a it's a it's a serious uh, accusation or a serious statement, I suppose. Uh-huh. And I have to. These these glasses do also have a blue light filter in them, uh, which is very important for me because I spend a lot of time looking at a computer. So, uh, and they also make me look smart, which I'm in desperate need of. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I I have many reasons for wearing for wearing my glasses aside from you know being able to see and all. So there's sort of, if I may, there's sort of the USB C of glasses insofar as they provide many different functionalities through a single standard interface you certainly oh. could i've never heard that one before but uh, i would be inclined to agree with you that's pretty good huh and ah. you brought it you brought it back to the uh to the to the imax so i did i brought it back that's some technology advice for you there um now our next topic is one that is a little bit different so we were sad. I'm not sure. I don't have the email pulled up that sort of introduced this topic, but it's a an interesting upstart laptop called Framework. Um, I don't know how new this is, but it's not actually out yet. It says shipping summer 2021 on their website. Uh, if you're listening along and you're not driving, I would encourage you to go check out the website so you can see what we're referring to. But basically, it's a modular expandable laptop or at least partially expandable as expandable as a laptop could probably be i want to point out really quick it's so it's called the framework and the website is frame.work so if you're oh if you're interested in checking it out i like that name that's actually pretty sick not gonna lie and i'm wondering if do we want to pull it up for the people that are watching live um, I don't have it up on on the computer here. I don't want to take too much time away. Uh, but basically, I mean, it's it's a simple it's a simple concept, right? It's it's a laptop that is easy to disassemble. It has upgradable components like battery, uh, RAM, and storage with NVMe and SODIMM slots. That on its on its own is not super duper like groundbreaking, but it, it does go a little bit further than that. Insofar as it has, you know, you can replace the keyboard. You can very easily replace a cracked screen. You can take, like, almost every single component is able to be replaced. 
And that's good because, you know, it's not just a focus on upgradability. It's also about repair. That's a that's another big thing. Um, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of Windows laptops that I've used that while they are upgradable insofar as you can add storage, you can add RAM. They're not that easy to repair, to be honest. Um, like, for example, if you totally zap your motherboard in a PC laptop, very often it is more difficult to replace that component than it is on a Mac. Macs are very simple. There's like four big parts and they each just have some pretty simple screws. It's not a very complex job to take apart a MacBook. Granted, if you fry your motherboard, you have to replace everything. You can't take your storage or your RAM with you. So that's a definite downside. But the benefit of something like this is that everything, literally everything can be replaced. Screen or just the display panel itself and not the housing. Or you could do the housing and not the display panel. The bezel comes off. The keyboard comes off. Every single part of this thing is built to be repairable. Uh, and quite curiously, it even has... Are you ready for this, folks? The chat's going to go crazy. Modular ports. Yeah. You can change the ports on this thing. It's pretty crazy. Um, and, you know, it sounds kind of crazy, uh, but it's actually pretty simple because basically they're just like these little modules that plug in via USB-C and they fit, they're like flush with the laptop, but essentially they're USB-C adapters that are designed to look like the, you know, like the, the body, the enclosure of the laptop. So they're proprietary connectors and you can swap it out. You could say, I want an SD card here. Boom. You could say, oh, I want DisplayPort or no, I don't need DisplayPort. I'll do HDMI and you can configure that. That is actually a really, really good idea. Regardless of the rest of the laptop, that on its own is sick. What do yeah, you think? It's definitely, Noah? definitely cool. Because the first thing when I saw this is someone. It was uh, it was it is logical who's uh, sent us quite a few uh, interesting topics. Sent this along, uh, so thanks for that. But when I first took a look at this uh, this framework laptop, my first thought was to some of these other attempts that have happened in the past so there was project ara which was uh motorola and i think they were owned by google at the time uh that were working yeah. on a modular phone as you might imagine that didn't end up uh coming to fruition there's yeah the, i know like the motorola the like moto mods right wasn't that or whatever they called them they had like the second screen and the battery and oh like, yeah that kind of stuff remember that it's was that, that the one that, that was like the Lego brick thing and it had like all sorts of little things that you could slap on the back of it? Yeah, that was the Project Aura, which was... Oh, that yes. Was, that was like the fully modular smartphone idea. And then I know Motorola had some smaller... They had like the... Right, like it was like a Moto Z or it was like some Motorola there was some, phone that I don't even know if it got things. made. It was a concept at the very least. But yeah, there were a whole bunch of those a couple of years ago. Right, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking about those. I think... Uh, what I like about this one is that the expandable ports, at least, are, if they're USB-C, uh, you know, it's not something that's proprietary. So if someone else could make, you know, same, you know, they could just find the dimensions of uh, of the little blocks. So they have... That is true. If you, if you, uh, I am actually sharing my screen if you want to show, and for the people that are, that are listening along, there are these little, these little, um uh like uh blocks very small and uh and they have you know USB-C USB-A HDMI uh even storage so they have little ones that aren't a port but it's just additional storage and you That's can pretty just, cool. you can just slide them in uh and they're USB-C so if some other third party wants to make one of these I don't know if there's like any licensing issues uh or anything like that but as far as like technical possibility, yeah, they're just, you know, USB-C adapters, like Luke said, in a very specific form factor. So I really appreciate uh, that as far as the ports. So that to me is a good thing, that it's not proprietary. Absolutely. It's an open, you know, it's an open uh, platform. Uh, and quite, quite honestly, it's kind of the obvious choice. Why overcomplicate it when you don't need to? USB-C is already such a versatile thing. You're basically just using this uh, to make that, to kind of facilitate that. Actually, you know what? I just thought of something that might be a flaw with this. What's that? I don't know what they use to stay in place. 
Like what would what would stop if you plug in something to the HDMI port and you go to yank it out? Wouldn't you just pull like the little Lego brick out with you? Well, I'm noticing. Oh no! So these are. I thought these were little magnets. Uh, next to the next to the USB C port that goes into the computer, there are these two. They're screws. I thought they were magnets. Uh, so that is actually a good question. I guess it's the the connection. It's maybe if it's uh, you know, uh, some of my USB C stuff is a little bit tough to yank it out. So maybe. That's, I could see some sort of a magnet solution or maybe they sort of slide in and maybe they lock into place and you like push them in like you know like an SD card you push them in a little bit to pop them out I well, don't if you know look at the works. if you look at the animation at the beginning of the web page it looks like they just kind of slide in and out so that that could be potentially a little bit of a wrinkle um, but not really that big a deal now the the one the one thing i will say you know obviously that is a really good thing in terms of repairability and let's be honest economically it does make sense too because then it means that the company can make money by selling components and upgrades and parts and stuff like that so instead of you know when you break the screen on the laptop guess what they get another sale cuz they get to sell you the replacement so it's a win win you get to fix your thing without buying a whole new computer and they still make money on those parts i think it's a very good idea now, the only problem that I have with upgradable laptops, quote-unquote, is that there's only so much you can upgrade. Uh, at the top of this webpage, it's, it's, it talks about... Oh, no, not that far up the webpage. I don't know. Somewhere on the homepage, it, was, um, it mentioned that it has 11th gen Intel Core processors. And that, to me, is where the whole concept of like, oh, I want to upgrade my laptop gets a little tricky because realistically until you get to a point where you can swap out the motherboard which i don't know maybe they're planning on doing that um it'd probably be pretty expensive um you know there's there's only so far that you can upgrade a motherboard but you know if you if you if they make the motherboard easily upgradable then y the only problem with that is you have to worry about like you know, basically the form factor has to not change. And five years from now, they have to still be making, like you, you have to have a very long-term commitment to this exact design of laptop. So it might work. It might be very cool. I don't know that it's for everyone, but I, I wish them the best of luck. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I definitely think... Maybe in the earlier stage, it's it's a little bit more of uh, maybe more of an experiment. Obviously, they yeah. want people to to use them as uh, as their main computers. I'd view it as more of an experiment because the point that you made is actually really important. That when you uh, you know have this computer, and if you're going to be using this computer, you know, like if you buy a Mac, let's say you buy a Mac, and those Macs are going to last. You know, you 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 keep a Mac three, four, five, six years, however long you're going to keep the Mac for. If this computer, this framework computer, is going to fulfill its goal of being user upgradable, then you're going to want it to last at least that long, at least you know four, five, six years, and you're probably going to want it to be you know get better over time. So whereas at the end of your Mac's lifespan, it's really you know on its last legs, and you need to upgrade with this computer. It may be more like, oh, I've been upgrading the computer along the way. It's you know in great shape, but maybe I want to move on. And I guess it's a good point that you know in five years from now, how much can you really? I mean, maybe they'll release a new you know they release a, a 15 inch display instead of a 13 inch, and you can take all of your components from this framework computer and stick them inside the new display, and maybe the price. Uh, ends up working out where it's worth it to do that instead of buying a new computer. I think it's a really interesting experiment. I hope this thing actually comes out, and I am very interested to see uh, where it goes. But there are there are definitely some questions as far as uh, you know if this is sustainable and if it will accomplish the goal uh, that they want yeah. to accomplish. And in fact, someone has just someone just pointed out uh, a very strong statement: paper thin laptops that can't be upgraded or repaired are useless. I would actually push back on that um, a little bit. I think obviously repairability is really important, and I think that a lot of what Apple has been doing the past couple of years is, you know, it's kind of ironic that they they profess how much they love the environment, and yet they won't let us fix this stuff when it breaks. Mm -hmm. That's completely nonsensical, um, and frankly, almost cartoonishly villainous the way that they handle their uh, repairs.
However, I don't think that laptops that can't be upgraded are useless because it depends on how long the laptop is used for. Let's be honest, folks. Electronic devices are not appliances. It's not going to last you. you know, my mom drove the same car for 11 years. The, the lifespan for a car is very rarely longer than for a laptop, for, for like a, a specific person to own it. Um, laptops don't just keep working. They don't necessarily keep doing the exact same thing 10 years later. A car that drove you 10 years ago might still drive you now, but a laptop might not, it's, it's not as permanent of a, of a, of a thing, really. Um, however, I think it's also interesting to, to talk about that, you know, if you, a lot of people say, oh, well, 15 years ago, laptops were really upgradable. It's like, yeah, that might have been true, but they also got obsolete a lot faster. Like right now, you could very easily be using a five-year-old laptop. In 2003, using a five-year-old laptop was a lot more of a stretch than it is now because, you know, Moore's Law, the whole uh, exponential growth thing, which we don't need to get into in detail, but I think basically if, if your laptop lasts you 10 years without you having to upgrade it, to me, that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I definitely... We're definitely in a point now where people need to upgrade their computers less often with Macs, definitely in general too. I mean, computers these days are generally pretty good. Like if you buy, even if you buy a cheap computer, it's going to have an SSD in it. You know, that's it's good. You're going to, it's going to, you, you, you can put an SSD. In. I put an SSD in my 2011 MacBook pro, uh, you know, yeah. 2016 and, and, uh, and it was very quick. So you get a, you get a lower end computer today. It has an SSD in it. And you're fine. You know, it, it just it just depends on on uh, on what you're doing with it. I think this framework laptop, at least, you know, initially is going to be for the right to repair people and the people that like to uh, to to play with their electronics and and do these upgrades. And maybe we could uh, consider checking it out, Luke. I guess it comes out in the summer. I would definitely, I'd, I'd I would definitely buy one. Just, to, I would. Just to... I'll, I'll reach out to them. Yeah, see if just I can to, get a response. To see what's going on with them, but um, yeah, definitely. I don't know. I'd be, I'd be curious to see if the future, if this is really something uh, that's like the future mainstream. I think it's really more of a of a niche kind of not that not that it shouldn't be mainstream, but but, but yeah. I don't know. I think a lot. Of, I think most people probably aren't really that bothered I, you know most most people that i know have like a 2015 macbook pro with a 128 gigabyte ssd and they'll say man i wish i had more storage i'm gonna get a new laptop yeah people people don't know and don't frankly care about upgradability in a lot of cases it's sad and i wish that there were still better options for us folks that do but uh you know say what you will the things are the way that they are. Now, before we move on to the next topic, uh, someone's posted an interesting comment here. I have a 12-year-old computer, has 12 cores, and is still pretty powerful. Sure, my M1 Mac Mini is a bit more powerful, and the old computer used 500 watts, but it still works and is still useful today. And that's a great point, because the fact that you can use a 12-year-old laptop in 2021 speaks to how technology has, has become... Uh, less rapidly obsolete over the past couple of years. I mean, think 20 years ago, right? In 2001, I, I wasn't old enough to be using a computer, but from what I know about computers, it would have been a bit of a stretch to be you know, a, a working professional in 2001 using a, a computer from 1989. Those are very, very different computing worlds in that amount of time. Um, you know, I mean, that's pre-internet, 1989. So, you know, things, th things may have slowed down in terms of advancements in technology, but in terms of the amount that you can get use of your technology and also the price of it, because Apple laptops in the 90s used to be like five, six grand for just like a normal one. Um, definitely, definitely pros and cons to each, but I think that despite a lack of upgradability, the fact that you can keep using 
computer stuff for for so long is a good thing. Um, now, our next question is about the Apple Watch. Noah, would you like to explain uh, this question? Because I think you added it to our topic list. Yeah, sure. So this was my sort of topic. So um, basically, this was back in, what was this, the fall of 2019, right? Fall of 2019? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So fall, fall of 2019, uh, I remember uh, Luke got an Apple Watch. He was planning to get an Apple Watch for his birthday, which he did end up getting uh, for his birthday, the, the Apple Watch Series 5. And he uh, was able to convince me to get an Apple Watch as well. I had the Series 0 back when it came out, so it wasn't even called the Series 0. So I got the original Apple Watch uh, when it came out, and I returned it. I well, yeah, I returned it after a little over a week because it was it just wasn't there at that point. It was very slow. It was completely dependent on the phone. Well, I was in high school to be fair, so you know, whatever. I just thought it was cool, but I ended up returning it. Anyways, Luke got the series five, and he convinced me as well. I got the series five. Luke was uh, was very uh, very excited about it. I was a bit more hesitant, and as I generally am with getting new technology, I will. I will say that, but uh, the the point the point that I'll make is um, so so I was hesitant in the beginning to even get the the Apple Watch, and when I had it, I strongly considered returning it for a while. I ended up keeping it, and now I wear it basically twenty three seven. I charge it, you know, when I wake up and before I go to bed, but I wear it to sleep. I wear it for the whole day. I'm a fanatic about my rings. I close my rings uh, every day. I, whatever, I'm really into my Apple watch. And then Luke, meanwhile, who was a little bit more, uh, you know, excited about it in the beginning, he doesn't even wear, do you have it, uh, here or is it back, uh, at your parents' house even? Oh no, no, I have it. It's on my bedside table. Oh, you do I, have it here. But so, okay. It. If I may defend, if I may defend myself for a moment here, I'm, I'm a big watch person. So before before I even had an Apple Watch, I've been wearing watches, like analog watches. Noah, you never did, if I recall correctly. Uh, no, I was never really. I occasionally wore, if I needed like a stopwatch, I wore one of those like Casio, uh, <laughs> one of those classic ones. But I no, I, I was not. Having one of those. I was not a watch guy, uh, to to put it that way. Yeah, so for me, the reason why I haven't worn my Apple Watch in a while is not because of a lack of usefulness, but because I wanted to go back to a traditional watch aesthetic. And I'll probably go back to my Series 5 eventually. Um, I, once it gets warm and I you know, go for, for hikes and runs and stuff that I'll definitely be wearing it for that purpose because, you know, closing my rings, but especially during the pandemic when I wasn't, uh, you know, I was kind of lazy over the summer and I wasn't going out all the time. So I wasn't using the rings very much. And then it just became like a little notification device for a little bit. And I just wanted, I just wanted to freshen it up a little bit with, you know, a little bit of a more personal style. Cause you know, say what you will about the Apple watch. They're very useful but they're not exactly unique. You know, they're, they're a little bit ubiquitous. Um, even the series five and the four with the, you know, the new design that came out, which does look better, but it, nothing's as personal as, you know, picking out an analog watch that really suits your style. Um, so that's what I'm on right now, but I did want to push back cause it seemed like you were accusing me I very brazenly, I might add, of of thinking that my Apple Watch is useless and not deserving of my time, which is not the case. I'm not I'm not sure if that's exactly where I was going. I just thought it was kind of interesting that I haven't seen you wear it in quite a while. Your your answer definitely makes sense, but I hadn't seen you wear it in in quite a while. So just just uh, just curious about that. I will also say it's kind of interesting though because. Uh, for me personally, I, so, so, okay, so you're, you're a watch guy and you like analog watches and you like to pick out a cool watch and I know you have a nice collection and I know you like to mix it up. I don't have a very stuff. nice collection. You have a collection. I, I have, I have one watch that I'm wearing. I have one other nice watch and the battery's dead and I haven't gotten it replaced. That's literally my collection. Oh, I thought you yeah. had 
I thought you had more watches at some point, but I uh, had a few like like really cheap twenty dollar watches <laughs> that I got on Amazon just because I was like, oh man, these are so cheap. I'm gonna buy a couple of them. Um, mo- those all have dead batteries too. That was like four years ago, five years ago. Mm, fair enough. So I, I, I have one watch. Yes. Fair <laughs> enough. I think it's just interesting though because I like. Like on my Apple Watch, I have like three watch faces set up. I have one set up for when I'm exercising. It has the big exercise rings. I have one set up for when I'm sleeping. And I have one set up for my, you know, everything else, normal day-to-day kind of stuff. But I don't, yeah, I don't use any analog, uh, in, uh, I don't use any analog watch faces. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I, I like it because it gives yeah. me all this information and it gives me all this, this, this data I don't, the looks for me aren't as important. So it seems like we're kind of on different uh, ends of the spectrum there. Wait, I, I just have to ask, you say you don't have any, not one analog watch face. Have you mm-hmm. no class? Well, if that's the the uh, the litmus test or the if that's the determiner for class, then then I guess I don't have any. Are you one of those, are you one of those Gen Z people who's always... Like you see an analog watch and you're like, I don't know what are those little fingers pointing at? I can't read that. That was my impression of Gen Z, which I am. (laughs) I know how to tell time from an analog watch, but I like when you just put the little numbers in the corner, then you have more room for, uh, for all of your other, uh, complications. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, my, my watch face, I, I, I do like the Apple watch because the, I think the watch faces, I'm an analog watch face kind of guy. And, the complications were actually very useful, I thought. Like, the one that I had, I think it was a California watch face that was modified, and it had, well, there were, like, three sub-dials in the middle, so I had my rings, I had, like, uh, the workout shortcut, and I had something else. I, I think it was, like, the moon phases or something because I didn't know what else to put in there. And then there's, like, four different corners that you can have, and I had, like, I had uh, chance of rain in one corner. I had battery life in another corner. I had the temperature in another corner, and I had the song that was currently playing in the in the last corner. I thought that was a lot of functionality, and I still got the sort of timelessness of an analog watch face. So I thought that was a pretty good a pretty good compromise. No, that's uh, that's definitely fair. I don't know. I uh, that that is pretty good. I just like for my watch. I just want to glance. Uh, glance at the watch and and see the information and you can call me uh, Gen Z whatever you want to call me but if I if it's written out in digits it's just that much quicker for me to 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 look at it so I don't know someone just absolutely uh, nailed your personality there Noah's more of a data person it sounds like style be damned that absolutely checks out <laughs> Yeah, if you've ever if you ever seen the clothe the the uh the clothing that I wear, then uh then style be damned. Uh, style definitely. be damned. And you're definitely a data person, Mr. Programmer here, huh? Yes, I would I would say so. <laughs> you know, at the very least, if there's one thing that that you could say definitively about Noah, it's that he's a consistent guy. Very consistent. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. So we had another question. I don't. Who was this from? I I don't remember who this was from. Um, but basically, the question is, and and this is a question that I'm going to pose to our live chat as well because I'd be mm-hmm. curious to see what your guys' thoughts are. If you could only use one Apple device for the rest of your life, which would it be? And that's an interesting one because I think I think we should probably qualify that. Um, that's all the the sort of guidance that we've received from the question asker but for those of us following along at home are we how are we defining that are we saying one like category like i'm going to use a 13 inch macbook pro and then you can upgrade but it still has to be that or is it like this exact specific device is that's it for the rest of my life that's what i got to use I can't imagine that that would, I don't think that would work if it's just one device. At some point, it's not really, I, I guess it's an interesting question. Here, here's, the, here's where that, where your question gets interesting is um, if you can't, if you, if you can't upgrade it, 
or I should say, if you if you can't upgrade it, if you can have, you know, if you pick the iPhone as your one device, it is different if you can get the the the, the next iPhone every single year and you always have, you know, the most powerful iPhone versus if you have one and you have to stick with it for a long period of time because an iPhone is going to, you know, it's going to... Uh, it's going to get older and it's going to be less usable quicker than, than a Mac would. So I think in that way, yeah. it's kind of interesting. I think so since we're talking about the rest of our lives here and you know, there's not, I don't, I don't know how many octogenarians are watching, but I'm going to assume that for most of the people watching, it's more than like a decade for the rest of your life. I think that's a fair assumption. And I just think I think we got to broaden it to like an Apple device like type of device. I agree. Um, just because I feel like regardless even if you're like okay, well I'm going to you know it's the last Apple product I'm allowed to buy. I'm going to spend 50 grand on a Mac Pro because if I can't buy another one then I don't care how much it costs. This is like, you know, that's it for life. I'm going to buy the best one ever and I'm just going to hold it forever. Even even then, you know, Noah and I, you know, in 60 years, it's still going to be not exactly a very useful device. I think that's fair to say. So if, we're, if we go for type of device like iPhone or iPad, and I guess it's, I mean, this is not really advice that's easy to give because, if you know, we're talking about, well, 30 years from now, you better come back to this video and you better still be using an iPhone. And of course, you'll be like, oh, come on. How, how naive were these guys? We're on ZeepZorps now. Yeah. Uh, everyone's using the new ZeepZorp 5. No one has time for iPhones anymore. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, it's you know it's funny. So first of all, this this question came from uh, Noah Bachman. So that's uh, so thank you for sending the question. And, A fellow uh, very, Noah. Yes, very nice uh, first name there as well. Definitely appreciate that. So um, the the funny thing though is when I first saw this question, I was like, oh well, I guess it's got to be my Mac. But then like, can I not have a phone anymore? And then I realized, okay, there's other phones other than iPhones. That was my my initial oh, react. Hey. That was my <laughs> initial reaction to that. Oh to that. No. Question. You just got completely outed as as just a down and dirty fanboy right there. Absolutely. That, that's honestly fair, but but that's I think where the question gets interesting because basically it comes down to would I rather use an Android phone or a Windows laptop, right? Because I got to choose. If I choose the iPhone, I'm going for Windows or or I guess some flavor of Linux. And if I choose the Mac, then I can't have an iPhone, so I got to pick. You know, probably Android, I guess, at that point. So the question is, you know, which one of those, you know, you know, where where am I going to draw the compromise? Because for me, honestly, it's got to be between the iPhone and the Mac. Ooh, ooh, loophole, loophole. Wee you, wee you. I'm I'm ringing the loophole alarm. Uh oh, what's that? Hackintosh. Ooh, that's an interesting. Not an Apple product. It's an. That's, that's interesting, though. It's an Apple operating system. It's not an Apple product, but I wonder, could that be? I guess that's a loophole, right? That's a loophole right there. That's. It's not an Apple product. You do not give any money to Apple when you build a Hackintosh. That's fair, but then you have to live with a Hackintosh, and yeah, that's kind of that's kind of rough when you're you know when you're dealing with incompatibilities and you know iMessage and some other things I think have some issues. It's if that's your compromise is a Hackintosh, I I don't know I don't know what the scene looks like. Maybe Hackintoshes are totally fine these days, but uh, I I don't know. It might be it might be a bit rough going there. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that would be preferable, though, to being completely locked in. I mean, keep in mind, you'd have to get rid of your iPhone if you go for a Mac. You'd have to get rid of your iPad. You, no Apple TV, no AirPods, no AirPods Max. Well, you don't have those, so that doesn't apply. AirPods but like, Pro. Every, yeah, AirPods Pro. All Your Apple Watch, see ya. Goodbye. Not anymore. <laughs> It's going in the trash can in this weird sort of um, like fascist government that is imposing strict limits on quantities of Apple products that yeah. someone can own. It seems weird that this fascist government is, is so specifically targeting that um, very odd agenda. But at the very least, 
if you do Hackintosh it, I guess that's I, I think that would be the the loophole to continue using Mac OS and still be able to have an iPhone. So there you go. That is a good point. And I'd have to think for okay, for me, honestly, the first thing I went to is it's gotta be my Mac or my iPhone. I can live yeah. without my iPad. My iPad sort of sits in between the two, and whatever my iPad does, either my my laptop or my phone can do. The iPad's nice, but you know, it's not gonna be my one device. Apple Watch is nice. I really like the activity tracking, you know, whatever, great motivation. It's not gonna be my one device if I get one device. AirPods, love them, not gonna be my one device, whatever. If yeah, I had no to one. pick one, it's gotta be between the Mac and the iPhone. And I don't know. I feel like on the one hand, I'm so inclined to say the Mac because uh, I really, you know, I love my Macs. I love doing, uh, you know, I love doing my work on there and my programming uh, on there as well. But, it, you know, if I, if I, if I had to switch to, uh, to, a, to a, something that's not a Mac, I'd probably do Windows and uh, Linux dual boot windows in some flavor of linux probably i don't know debian or something someone said i would use arch i don't know if i could install that um but uh i would uh i would um you know do my programming on linux same environment as a mac and then on on uh, on windows maybe i could do some of the more consumer uh grade stuff everything's in the cloud these days so so you can make it work and then on the other hand with the with the the uh iphone i really like my iphone i love iMessage that's probably the main thing that's keeping me from even trying an Android phone to be completely honest, but I don't know. I like the pixels. The pixel phones are, are, uh, are very nice. So could I switch to a pixel phone? I think maybe I'd be more willing to do that, to be honest. I've done that a few times. I, I, I feel like you, I feel like apart from, from iMessage, I could probably get used to like iMessage is so good. But I could I could definitely get used to switching over to a Pixel. I don't think I could get used to, you know... Well, if, actually, now that I think of it, if I'm stuck with one Apple product, what is that going to mean for my YouTube channel? My career is in, <laughs> in shambles. Yeah. Completely done and dusted there. Oh, my Lord. That's a terrible disaster. I was going to say that, what am I going to edit videos on? But I'm not going to have anything to make videos about. So that's my first problem. Or I guess I could still talk about Apple products. I just couldn't own any. You could. Which, well, here, okay. Wait. Here's another loophole, though. If you could, there be some sort of a way you 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 get sort of a proxy who will buy the products on your behalf and lend them mm. to you to to make your videos. Obviously, you could pivot your channel, but if you want to stick with Apple products, I wonder if I wonder if there's some some system, or I guess if this is a, a totalitarian government, the rules probably apply to everyone. But I just wonder if there's True. another loophole that we could find uh, to get around that. Yeah, I would just probably have to come up. I just have to find friends who have many different categories of device. So like, I'll have to have a Mac Mini friend oh. and a MacBook Air friend and a Mac Pro friend, and I'd have to hope that they buy all of the things every time. I didn't think about and that. So I'll just have to sort of come up with this like army of of people that cover different areas of the Apple ecosystem, which actually wouldn't really be much of an ecosystem at that point. Because if you can yeah. only have one type of device, what's the point of an ecosystem? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not at that point. That is actually interesting. I didn't think about that, that you have uh, you know, designated people for each product. I could also see, you know, Apple, Apple's got to cope with this, right? If this is the, the, the law that's being imposed, Apple's going to lose a ton of sales. So I could see, what if Apple started a rental service? If you rent oh. the products from Apple, do you own them? Does that count? Is that a loophole? Is that a potential solution there? I don't know. Well, I was going to say... So I, we've been thinking about this all wrong, because oh, really? in this in this in this sort of global situation, where this totalitarian regime is imposed, sort of martial law on owning Apple products exclusively, mm -hmm. everything else is totally fine. They're like super chill, and they're like, oh yeah, whatever. Taxes are like low and whatnot, but yeah. <laughs> in this in this government, it's it's really strict on Apple products. But we've made a very key and I think mistaken assumption, and that is that that Apple doesn't adapt to this, that they keep selling all their normal stuff. If you can only own one Apple product, isn't Apple going to start making a product that does everything? 
interesting very interesting i've always had the idea if you could if you could somehow i don't know how but like change like make a screen that you could sort of pull it you know could sort of open it up or close it i guess it's sort of like a foldable phone at that point but maybe something a little bit more elegant than that you know rolling than folding i guess that could work but i could imagine i could imagine a phone you know a phone size thing that opens up into a nice size tablet maybe attach mm -hmm. a attach a keyboard to it if the keyboard's part of it you know it's a separate piece but it comes with it bundled I, yeah it's a two-in-one type of I know, thing i know apple doesn't like to do that but they're gonna adapt so they're gonna they're gonna put the they keyboard gotta. they're gonna put the keyboard in but if you could have that you could have a phone that folds out into a tablet plug your keyboard in it works like a desktop i think apple so here's the thing if apple's gonna lose all these sales from this, they're going to focus 100% on making this all in one device, right? And exactly. they're, they're gonna, if they're focusing all their resources, they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out. Yeah. I'm sort of picturing this rollable display. Oh, could it be OLED? Because then it could be called a Roled display. <laughs> that I think would be very catchy marketing there. That, that definitely, I can picture the video, you know, you got that sort of ephemeral music and then they go, the display rolls, introducing Roled. That sounds more like Rolex, actually. I, I, I don't know if that makes sense. And also in this hypothetical case, I guess they're bringing back Johnny Ive. But yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. I think, well, I mean, what else is he going to do? He's, he, he's sort of designing the penultimate Apple product here in this, in this situation. Yeah. I think, I think we've kind of lost the thread of, of what the question was about. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, looking in the chat here, it looks like, it looks like a lot. Oh, someone's actually pointed out. Does it have to be Apple production? Cause they use other screens. I don't think that would matter. Like the screen, the screens in Apple products. I don't think that would be, um, applicable. We're talking about the final product here. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people were saying, a lot of people were saying Mac pros, which I guess makes sense. If you can only have one, go for the best, you know, fair enough. Can't argue with that. That's um, true. I mean, I feel like yeah. you'd lose you'd lose the portability at that point. I was thinking more yeah. broadly, just in terms of like a Mac versus an iPhone. But I guess if you want to get more specific, desktop, laptop, whatever, probably the Mac Pro. Yeah, you're gonna get the get the most the most performance, and that's your that's your that's where all your money's going, right? One product. In fact, someone's actually just brought up here. Basically, Apple could split <laughs> up and create separate companies. Mac Corp, iPhone company, iPad Incorporated, etc. So I guess I guess really uh, what we've what we've done here is just figured out if there's a totalitarian government that gets installed, like a global government mm -hmm. that somehow limits Apple to one product, they're gonna they're, they're, that's that's how they'll finally break up big tech. Yeah. So I <laughs> <laughs> could be our All future. Right. Well, folks, looks like we are we are getting uh, getting up to the hour threshold here. A lot of good conversations today. We we figured out a lot of stuff. We got we got the Roled display. Mm -hmm. We 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 figured out the the perfect way to handle upgradability in laptops, uh, the framework laptop, which I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more about. We learned why Noah wears transition lenses, <laughs> or and also why I don't wear them. Not not a psychopath. Oh, yes. Yeah, of course. Of course. We know that you're not a psychopath, definitely. And we're definitely not just saying that so that you'll think so that you won't like go crazy or anything. Mm -hmm. It's a genuine sentiment, which is in no way based on self-preservation. Uh huh. It's very important to keep that in mind. Yes. But thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Dark Mode, the podcast where two technology experts, that is us, give advice, I guess. I, you could call it advice, I suppose. Unto We're you, it the advice. audience. Yeah, well, well, it's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> if you have a situation that is in need of quote-unquote advice, head over to darkmodepodcast.com and email us at submissions at darkmodepodcast.com and we'll take a look at your submissions. We've had a lot of fun reading the emails that you guys have sent in and there's a lot there's a lot of stuff we got to get to um so we talked about a whole bunch of topics today and we're going to try to keep up that pace so send in send in those things send in those queries 
in yeah, need of we, advice. Yeah, we'd love to. Uh, we'd love to get some more. We have we have a nice little backlog of uh, of topics, but you know we're trying to get we're trying to trying to get to even more as uh, as we develop this podcast. So please keep sending. Uh, we've gotten some some very great uh, some great suggestions. And so with that, thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Dark Mode. We hope to see you guys at the live streams, which are held on Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I have been your host, Luke Miani. And I've been your host, Noah Rubin. Make sure to join us, and you can find everything at drkmodepodcast.com. Links to listen on your favorite podcast site and uh, the email to submit. And uh, we'll see you next week.